How you guys doing tonight? Very nice. Welcome to our series. You keep using that word, I do not think it means what you think it means. And wanted to remind you from last week as we talked about the Bible that there are some specific goals that we have. Number one, our goal in this series is to spark some understanding. Again, we use these words oftentimes as suitcases that we carry around. We beat each other up with these words. And rather than doing that and saying, as Pastor Danielle was mentioning, are you biblical? Are you a person of faith? Why don't we stop for a moment, unpack that, and try to understand what each of us is trying to say and what are the meanings that we've put into each of these words. Uh, We've talked about how we want to spark conversation. We are not the answer people. One of the points that we made last week about the Bible is the Bible is not an answer book. It's actually a book that engages with life's most difficult, complex, challenging questions. And so we want to spark conversations. We hope that a sermon is never the end of the conversation. A sermon is actually the beginning. I can't believe he said that. Can you, can you believe he said that? No. Wait, did he really mean to say this? Did she really mean to say that? So we're hoping that through this series, conversations are sparked. And we've already, I mean, after one, one edition, as we talked about the Bible, we've already gotten some feedback from some of you regarding some of the conversations that you're having. And that brings so much joy to our soul. So we hope that that continues. And then, of course, we hope that this sparks interest because we believe the story of Jesus and the movement and the story of God being written in this world is a beautiful story. And we want to invite more and more people to be a part of that. So that's our series. We start with Bible. Today, we're going to talk about the word faith. Now, to start off with an illustration, how many of you have heard of the Book of Mormon? Not the book, the Broadway musical. Has anybody actually seen it? Okay, so just, okay, oh yeah, Jen was with us when we saw it. Okay, so the three of us, we've seen the Book of Mormon, and there's a song in there, so this will be brand new for probably all of you, that I want to warn you is a little bit irreverent. The creators and the producers of the Book of Mormon were the same people who did South Park. So that should give you a little bit of a glimpse as to what a little bit about this thing is. However, as we have engaged, and again, as we engage with the fullness of life and with culture and with all the things that are going on, this musical has illuminated things about faith and religion, not just about Mormonism, although it's very specific to Mormonism, about faith and religion that I think are very apropos to this particular talk. So strap in your seatbelts and get prepared because this is one of the main central songs in the Book of Mormon from the main character. Little backstory really quick. The main character, and I won't blow it for you, the main character is a Mormon missionary, and he's being commissioned by, by the authorities, I don't know what they're called actually, um, to head out into the world, and he's praying about where he wants to be sent. And he gets sent to an, a village in Africa, and he's having to wrestle with Does he really want to go to Africa versus wanting to go to Florida for his mission? And so this is kind of the tension that he has here. So take a listen, listen carefully to the lyrics, and we'll go over this a little bit, and that'll be our launching point for our conversation on faith. Since I was a child, I tried to be the best. 
so what happened? My family and friends all said I was blessed. So what happened? It was supposed to be all so exciting to be teaching of Christ across the sea. But I allowed my faith to be shaken. Oh, what's the matter with me? I've always longed to help the needy, to do the things I never dared. This was the time for me to step up. So then why was I so scared? A warlord who shoots people in the face. What's so scary about that? I must trust that my Lord is mightier and always has my back. Now I must be completely devout. I can't have even one shred of doubt. I believe that the Lord God created the universe. I believe that he sent his only son to die for my sins. And I believe that ancient Jews built boats and sailed to America. I am a Mormon. Cannot just believe part way. You have to believe in it all. My problem was doubting the Lord's will instead of standing tall. I can't allow myself to have any doubt. It's time to set my worries free. Time to show the world what Elder Price was about and share the power inside of me. He just walked right into camp. sharing my faith with you. The scriptures say that if you ask in faith, if you ask God himself, you'll know. But you must ask him without any doubt and let your spirit No 
it's all true, you'll just feel it. You'll be a Mormon, and by gosh, a Mormon doesn't just believe. A Well, as you can see, there's a lot that's going on in there, and we could probably spend an entire series just picking apart the entire musical of the Book of Mormon, because what's fascinating is that in popular culture, whatever it is, whether it's movies or, or film or music, there's usually, especially in humor, a lot of truth that emerges. Have you noticed that? That humor is actually a way in which truth emerges to the surface. And I think there's something really profound about that song that I'd like to illuminate for us, or for us to walk through a little bit. Here's a couple of the the lyrics. I can't allow my faith to be shaken. Oh, what's the matter with me? I must be completely devout. I can't have even one shred of doubt. A Mormon just believes. You cannot believe, you cannot just believe partway. You have to believe in it all. The problem is doubting the Lord's will instead of standing tall. Notice that word doubt again. I can't allow myself to have any doubt. The third time that word is used in that song. It's time to set my worries free. Time to show the world what Elder Price is about, who's the character, and share the power inside of me. And then this line in there, and now I can feel the excitement. This is the moment that I was born to do, and I feel so incredible to be sharing my faith with you. So there's that word faith again. The scriptures say that if you ask God uh, himself, if you ask anything God himself will know, but you must ask him without any doubt and let your spirit grow. Four times in that song is the word doubt used. And I think it's important for us as we engage with this word faith. It's something that I don't think we all have fully grasped and fully understood. And again, to spark conversation and understanding, let's dig in a little bit deeper into what possibly this word faith could mean. In popular culture, and I imagine the way that you might have understood it, maybe growing up or having some encounters with the church, there is a conflict between doubt and faith. And illuminated brilliantly in the song is that if you are a person of faith, that means, therefore, you must not be a person of doubt. Or to be a person of faith means that if you have doubts, There's something wrong with you. There's something not right. You don't have enough faith or you don't have the ultimate faith or you don't have the foundational faith that you're supposed to have. Now, I'm very familiar with this. When I first became a Christian, I started listening to the Bible Answer Man. And many of you might have uh, heard of Hank Hanegraaff and the Bible Answer Man from the Christian Research Institute. And I got turned on to this radio program because I was a little bit of an intellectual and I liked the arguments kind of a deal. And one of the things I remember very distinctly from Hank Hanegraaff, he said, this Christianity, this faith that we have, is a faith where you can know that you know that you know. That you can know that you know that you know. There's a level of certainty there. There's a level of absolute knowledge and understanding about everything that is implied by the journey of faith. 
So one of the ways in which we think about faith in this world and how we've used it, how you've probably used it, is that if you are a person of faith, then you are not a person of doubt, or that's not allowed. The second thing that I think is illuminated in the song is that you, if you are going to be a person of faith, then you believe things or you acknowledge things, you affirm certain things or ideas that are completely contrary to reason. In fact, it's somehow considered a good thing for you to have a sense of faith in ideas or concepts or even the ways in which this world works and behaves contrary to reason. I found this quote by Benjamin Franklin. The way to see by faith is to shut the eye of reason. Is that really what faith is? Now, add to that the complex nature of American history and industrialized culture. As things began to move throughout culture, as we moved from the printing press and through the industrial revolution, and we started to learn more things and the scientific revolution began to emerge in our society and in our culture, things that we understood were true were all taken in by the senses. And this is what's known as rational thought or rational thinking. So if you could see it, touch it, smell it, hear it, taste it, then it must be true. That is what validates what is true. So reason and rationality. And then everything else is not according to the senses. So if you happen to believe in a God, or you happen to believe in spirituality, or you happen to believe in something bigger than the five senses, then that was categorized in an area called non-sense. And so now add that complication to our culture and to the things that we've inherited. So faith is opposite of doubt, and faith is opposite of reason. And in fact, so much so that a lot of the discourse and kind of a lot of the rhetoric that is out there, especially with the books that are published, is that if you happen to be a a person of faith, you're just ridiculous. How could you ever think that way? The third thing that was illuminated in that song was that I'm here to share my faith with you. It's a statement of faith. It's a list of things that I believe and I want to share that with you. So I simply want to ask the question, is this really what faith is. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Now, is Ethan here? Where is he? Ethan, you're going to be my illustration. Where are you? Uh, Okay. Um, Is there another young one in the room? Is Bennett here? Okay. Okay, Ryan Jones. Ryan Jones, come on up here. You're going to be my illustration. This is very apropos because we need to announce very interruptingly in the middle of the sermon that Ryan and Lily are pregnant. Congratulations. Are you sure? Yeah. Do we have rational reason to believe that this is true? Yes. Okay, so this isn't just faith. Right, right. <laughs> Ryan started to show. That's exactly right. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. $20. Yes. I'm going to make a statement about what is in my hand, and I want you to do your best to answer the question, am I holding a $20 bill in my hand? No. Are you sure about this? No. 
what percentage would you say would be, I am certain he's holding a $20 bill in his hands, versus what percentage would you say, I don't think he's holding a $20 bill in his hands? About 50-50? Does anybody else want to take a stab? What's in my hand? Is there a $20 bill in my hand? Because if you get this right, you get to keep... Yes, there's a $20 bill in my hand. <laughs> now what, what is your percentage? 100%. 100%. You have no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> okay. You're killing my illustration here, buddy. You're killing it, you know. He believes. He Because I, I, Ryan just... That's what you do. When there's money on the line, you just believe. Would you say that that statement, and would you all agree that that statement right now is a statement of faith or a statement of belief? You hope. Is it a statement of hope? Definitely. Would you say, if it's a wish, if you are honest, would you say that there's a little bit of you that is uncertain. Yes. Yes. If I was honest. Okay. So this is what I would suggest to you. Right here is a perfect illustration of what it is that we all hold true in this world. That we believe certain things, and in that belief, or in that hope, or in that wish, there's a mix and a combination of things that we are very confident in, but yet there's a portion of us that is going... But maybe not. And now what I'd like to do is completely ruin your faith. I'm going to demolish your faith. I'm going to just completely destroy your faith. What am I going to do? It's a $10 bill. It's not bad. Now. That's better than I thought. I wouldn't say demolish. <laughs> demolish. Well, you said it was 50-50, so I, you know, I, I had... <laughs> now, if I make this statement, I'm holding a $20 bill in my hand. If you said yes or if you said no, or what would you say? I wish. You wish. As an empirical statement, am I holding a $20 bill in my hand? The answer is no. Is that a statement of faith? No. As soon as certainty and empiricism, and absolute acknowledgement of the truth enters into the scene, it is no longer a statement of faith. Thank you for being my illustration. Uh, joy boxes are in the back. The entire journey, the entire journey of faith, the entire journey of belief is equal to holding intention in your heart, in your journey, a certain percentage of, yes, this is what I believe and I'm certain of. And this is a portion of this journey that I'm just not so sure about. In other words, faith and doubt go hand in hand. Um, John Ortberg wrote this book, Faith and Doubt, and I love his honesty in this. He says, I will tell you a secret. I have doubts. 
I've spent my life studying and thinking and reading and teaching about God, and I have doubts. I'll tell you more than that. There's a part of me that after I die, if all of it turns out to be true, the angels are singing, death is defeated, the role is called up yonder, and there I am. There is a part of me that will be surprised. What do you know? It's all true after all. I had my doubts. Now, what's beautiful about this is does the story of God that we have been handed down to us through the Bible, through the scriptures that we talked about last week, does this embrace this truth? Um, I'll just read Matthew twenty-eight seventeen. One of my favorite verses. You have heard the story, perhaps, of Jesus' resurrection. This wild and crazy thing that we are asked, especially now that we are distant from history and time, to accept on faith. And some of us, especially the idea of a miraculous event like somebody rising from the dead is just a little bit too far. I, I have some doubts about that. <laughs> you do. This is brilliant. So then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Brilliant. You're telling me that these, these early people that were following Jesus, who met him, who were flesh and bones, touching, sensing, experiencing the fullness, even after this event had happened, some of them doubted. And I love, I absolutely love that honesty. And there, in the tension, the scriptures are fully accepting of this balance, this tension of holding these two together. That I do believe, some believe, but yet some, ah, I'm not quite sure. Um, this is a quote that's been around. Another way of summing it up is to say this, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. It's like opening up my hand and showing you very, very clearly what is true, but now there's no more faith, there's no more doubt, which thereby means there's no more faith. And I think it's ironic and a little bit of a tragedy that those of us in the faith community have actually opted in for the idea of certitude. That we, because we have a Bible and we know exactly what the Bible is, we believe in God and we know exactly who God is and we are a part of a church and we know exactly what the church is supposed to be and we know what's going to happen in the future and we know exactly when that's going to happen, so much so that we have throughout our history times when people predict specific dates when Jesus is coming back. We know that we know that we know. That, to me, ironically, is not a statement of faith. That's a statement of certainty. And the journey for us in this church and for many of us, in fact, for all of us, is a journey of holding these two in tension. That I believe certain things, I am convicted about certain things, but yet I hold, on the other hand, a little bit of this sense. I'm not quite sure. I would suggest that doubt, if you are a person of doubt, if you have gone through this faith journey and you've grown up in the church, or maybe you, this is a brand new introduction and wherever you are, you hear some things and you're like, wait a second, that just doesn't add up right. What, does, does that really, is that really true? Welcome to the human species. This is what it means to be human. To be human is to hold doubt. And what's so fascinating is to hold doubt as a human means that you're now holding into humility. And if you are certain about things, whether it's faith or non-faith, 
And where's the humility for you to grow, to discover, to learn? So doubt is also about discovery. Every time you've come to that moment in your life where you go, I'm not quite sure. That is a window and an opportunity to step in to discover something new and wonderful about this world that you may never have thought before. There was an article recently in the New York Times, and here was the quote from that article that I thought was appropriate. These days I find that it is more helpful to think about faith as the questions people choose to focus on rather than the propositions observers think they must hold. And where do those questions come from? Those questions come from that part of you that goes, I just, I have some questions about this. I have some doubt. So, wherever you are in your journey, if you've considered yourself a person of faith, strong conviction, guess what? You are also a person of doubt. And if you have avoided any religious talk, any talk about God because you just doubt it all, I would suggest to you that you are also a person of faith. Those two go hand in hand. There are some things that you hold dear and there's some things that you have questions on. Faith and doubt go hand in hand. There are two sides of the same coin. And so to be a person of faith is to be a person of doubt and to be a person of doubt is to be a person of faith. Second thing is the intersection of faith and reason. Uh, Danielle sent me this article recently on how creationism and what it was taught in the elementary schools, once they graduated and entered into further graduate studies, started to discover that the things that they were learning in their elementary school weren't actually true. And it caused them to really stumble and to really question if that wasn't true, what I was taught in elementary school regarding science, regarding evolution, regarding all of the wonderful discoveries, regarding technology, all these things. If that wasn't true, then how can I accept that all these other things are true? It's kind of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater in some ways. I'm going to suggest to you that what we're doing here, we really need to consider and we really need to think about. Because does it mean, does faith really mean that I adhere to certain concepts, ideas, or propositions that are completely contrary to reason or rational thought or to scientific inquiry? Is that what that means? Or can we think about faith in a little bit of a different way? This is what I would suggest. I remember in elementary school, about fourth grade, fifth grade, my dad got me this space universe book. And when you start learning about the largeness of this universe and the smallness of who you and I are, it starts to blow your mind. You start to think that there are categories and sizes and scopes of this universe that are just simply beyond our understanding, simply beyond what we can grasp. And then think about all the things that we do understand, the things that we have calculated, the things that we have observed, the things that we have put into textbooks, and we, we get a hold of that. And then just, I, there's almost no words. And as I read scientists and I read um, cosmologists and different people who study this stuff, they start to use language like, this is a really awe-inspiring universe. This is a wonderful, elegant place that we live. This is, this is beyond our comprehension and beyond our understanding. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I, I remember my favorite star in that book, in the world universe, was called Beetlejuice, which I just thought was the, the coolest name in the world, Beetlejuice. And that's going to be my star. Maybe, yeah. 
I'll have that star as my pet one day. I'm going to suggest that as we do this, as we think and consider about the beauty and wonder of our world, that we are held in tension between the vastness of this universe and the smallness of this universe. This is the best picture that I saw or that I could find, and I know nothing about string theory, um, but for those of you who understand the dividing atoms further and further and further down and seeing how small and how small we can go, we have this string theory idea that is encompassing of what this entire universe is made of. And I would like to suggest that being a person of faith does not mean a rejection of these things. Actually, being a person of faith means fully engaging in these things and then making the leap to saying, this universe, this world that we live in, and us in between. I mean, if you take a look at cosmology and then you take a look at, you know, uh, the smallness of our reality, and then you take a look at how people are wired and how we live and interact, you engage with those things and then you immediately leap to this next level of going, yeah, this is crazy. This is nuts. This is beautiful. And you start to believe that there's more out there. You start to believe that there's something even beyond that. You start to believe that there's further discoveries to be made. And so faith is actually not against reason. It's actually part of the reasoning process. To go into a discovery mode is to believe that there's something there to discover. And to go beyond that is to believe that there's even something more to discover there. So faith and reason are not in conflict. They are also hand in hand. And I would suggest, too, that they go, um, that faith is actually a result of the things that we actually have discovered in this universe. It's a result of reasoning and rational, rationality. Uh, many of you have heard the story of Doubting Thomas. I will not believe until what? I touch his side. I put my finger in the holes. What is Thomas? And you you can read all sorts of different people say that Thomas was the first rationalist, you know, of the Christian movement because he really wanted empirical evidence. But what's so beautiful about this story, again, is that the story that we are a part of is honest with this reality. That Thomas, wait, I need some evidence here. I I need to really think this through. I need to touch it. I need to see it. And as a result of touching it and seeing it, as a result of putting his fingers in the side of Jesus and in in the holes in his hands, then he makes the leap. Now I'm going to believe everything else that Jesus taught and said and commissioned because now I have evidence of this. Oh, I'm going to put my faith in the rest of this story. Richard Dawkins has written The God Delusions, bestseller. Many of you have probably heard of him. He's very loud and vociferous. There's a, there's a philosopher, an English um, critic named Terry Eagleton, who is engaged with Richard Dawkins because his basic thesis, Richard Dawkins' thesis in this book, is that if you are a person of faith, then you've basically checked your brains at the door, that you, you're not rational at all. You're not reasonable at all. In fact, the very definition of being a person of faith is to be unreasonable. And Terry Eagleton takes him to task. I know this is a little bit heady and a little philosophical. I'll try to break it down for you, but he says this. Dawkins considers that all faith is blind faith and that Christian and Muslim children are brought up to believe unquestioningly. Not even the dim-witted clerics who knocked me about at grammar school thought that. 
for mainstream Christianity, reason, argument, and honest doubt have always played an integral role in belief. Reason, to be sure, doesn't go all the way down for the believers. We all make leaps of faith, but it doesn't for most sensitive, civilized, non-religious types either. In other words, people who are as anti-faith as possible as they could be, ultimately, they need to make a leap of faith too. So reason and rationale all go together in that. Um, Oh, sorry, I forgot the second part of the quote. Even Richard Dawkins lives more by faith than by reason. We hold many beliefs that, that have no unimpeachably rational justification, but are nonetheless reasonable to entertain. In other words, we're all people of faith. And reason and faith go together. All right. Last. In the Hebrew, faith is the word emunah. Everybody say emunah. Now, you might recognize that word because it's a word that means faithfulness. It's a word that means follow through. And nowhere in this definition does it mean blind trusting in concepts or ideas or propositions of which there's no evidence. It's, it's faithfulness. My car is faithful. My dog is faithful. Um, it's following through. And it's also where we get the word emunah, where we get the word amen. It's the same root. When we say a prayer and we say, amen, we are saying, so let it be done. So let it be followed through. So let it come to pass. The word for faith in Hebrew is the word follow through. Emunah. Let it be so. Now that we have understood that we have embraced faith and doubt, that we've embraced faith and reason, let us move forward in full trust and follow through with our commitments and our convictions and to live out fully the things that we truly, fully, fundamentally believe in. Like, for Spark, love. To be a person of faith means to follow through. That love can truly make a difference. Reconciliation. To be a person of faith means that I'm truly going to follow through with reconciliation. I believe strongly that people who have been broken apart by war and injustice and horrible words can actually come together. To be a person of faith, to be a person that is faithful, says, I believe that can happen. That's what it means to be a person of faith. The, the 1611 King James Version of the Bible has a lot of controversy over it, but one of the things that was noted is that in the 1611 translation, um, Wilford Smith said this, the affirmation, I believe in God, used to mean, given the reality of God as a fact of the universe, I hereby pledge to him my heart and my soul. I committedly opt to live in loyalty to him. I offer my life to be judged by him, trusting his mercy. And so the definition here, given that we believe, which is a, an assent to a statement of, of reasonable thought, to say that I believe in God is actually to be loyal to him, to follow through, to commit. Steve Jobs puts it this way. Sometimes life hits you in the head with a brick. Don't lose faith. This was when he got fired from Apple. Don't lose faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, perhaps one of the most famous passages, and I'll ask Ryan and the team to come back up as we close. In one of the most famous passages regarding faith, 
It says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I love the definition when we're up here with the illustration. Is that a statement of faith? It's a statement of hope. It's a statement of wish. It's a statement that we want to believe something to be true. And so what I would suggest in closing is this. Once we understand and embrace the reality that this journey of humanity is a journey of holding intention, faith, and doubt, once we accept and embrace that we do not have to check our brains at the door to be people of faith, in fact, faith is the result of good, rational, reasoning, thoughtfulness, once we do that work, then we can also engage in the work that each and every one of you have been called to, the values that you are living out in this movement of Jesus. And to be a person of faith means that your work matters because faith is also hope. A hope that the work that you're doing, the life that you're living, the reconciliation that you're having is going to turn out to be something beautiful in the world. For those of you who are in education and you're working with students, you are a person of deep faith because ultimately you believe that when you stand before them, when you speak before them, when you have a lesson and a curriculum, you believe so much in these students. You believe that they can become something. They can do great things. That God has created them in his image and his likeness. And you pour your heart and your soul out to them. Because great things are going to happen as a result of your teaching. You are a person of faith. If you're a youth pastor and you're working with kids. And you're picking them up and driving them all around. And life doesn't seem to be exactly the way it should be. And you pour your heart and your soul out. And you love those kids. And you're there. You are a person of faith. You are hoping for something wonderful and beautiful to come about from that. If you're an engineer and you have a calling to take your brain and your mind and to work with numbers and with mechanics and whatever it is that you're doing and you're crafting something uh, for this world, you are a person of faith. You hope and believe and trust that what it is that you are engaging in, the, the, the work of your hands, the things that you're pouring your life into are heading into the world to do something wonderful and great. You believe in that product. You are a person of faith. Because you have great hope in this. If you're in a relationship and there's challenges and there's arguments and it just not quite sure how you're connecting, but that you take the next day and you take the next step to say, you know what, I'm going to figure out better how I'm communicating. I'm going to figure out better what you're saying, what you're saying, what's going on in this relationship and how we can come together and find a greater sense of love and a greater sense of togetherness, a greater sense of oneness, you are a person of faith because you hope and believe and trust that something wonderful is coming to this world. If you're working in anti-trafficking, you are a person of faith because your heart and your soul is being poured into this world and saying, this should not be, but I believe, I hope, I trust, I know that the power of God through the work of his people is going to do an amazing redemptive thing in this world. You are a person of faith. Every single one of us, when we engage with the work of our hands, with the calling that God has given to us, is trusting that God is good, that he's created us in his image and that wonderful, amazing things are going to come about in this world. That's what it means to be a person 
of faith. I would love for us to move further and further away from all the sometimes nasty, conflicting, I know, you don't know, therefore I need to tell you kinds of conversations. And trust and believe and to truly embrace what it means to be people of faith. To hope, to believe, to be deeply convicted, to wrestle, to say, I'm not quite sure, but together as a community, we'll figure this out together. And through all that, wonderful, beautiful things, amazing redemptive things are going to come about. I think it's important for us to understand regarding this concept of hope. That we even use it in our own language. That when you see somebody that's gotten to that point of despair, it's like, I just don't know what to do anymore. I just give up. I don't know if the things that I'm doing are working anymore. I'm tapping out. We, we say that person's lost faith. They've lost faith in themselves. They's, they've lost faith in what God can do. They've lost faith in humanity. We sometimes say that. And I think right there at that moment, this definition of faith can be so powerful and transformative as we become more and more people of faith. We become people of hope. That the things that we do together, the church that we're building together, the reconciliation movements that you are working on, the rescue movements that you are working on, the work in your families and your relationships, being people of faith means I really believe rescue can happen there. Redemption can happen there. Reconciliation can happen there. Healing can happen there. Hope can happen there. I believe that if there's been a division between the Christian community and the gay community, there can be reconciliation that can happen there. I believe that if anybody's ever been hurt by religious people, I believe that healing can happen there. That's what it means to be people of faith. And this church... I'm so incredibly blessed by each and every one of you because I know you believe that. That's why we're here. And that's why we will be those people. We are going to sing that last song, You Are Good, You Are Good. And this is our statement, quote, statement of faith. And as we believe that God is good, and as we believe that that can happen in this world, we re-invite ourselves and re-ground ourselves in people, in the identity that we have as people of faith. Amen? God, thank you for being a good and gracious and awesome and mighty and amazing God. And I pray, God, I pray that we would engage fully and deeply with this wild and crazy, diverse universe that you have created and put together. And help us, God, embrace the tension Help us to think reasonably and rationally about faith. And help us and remind us, God, that every single day we take steps in this world, we are reminded that we are people of faith and you've created us to be such. May we live into this world out of that reality and that truth. And we pray in your name. Amen.